Well, we are in a series on relationships. And this is part three. If you're visiting for the first time, I try to put these sermons together so that I don't have any expectation that you've sort of followed along. If you come in in the middle of it, I hope it's just as you know, meaningful to you as if you've been along for the whole journey. But we began the series two weeks ago by talking about the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. In other words, love God with all that you are. Jesus said that is the greatest commandment. And the second one, he said, is not unlike it. Love your neighbor, and your neighbor, by the way, is anyone who is in need. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And this morning, we're going to look at a third commandment, which, by the way, I think may be the most challenging one of all. Love each other as I have loved you. John 15, 12. I want you to notice that all three of these commandments focus on relationship. The first one on our relationship with God. The second one on our relationship with our neighbor. With anyone who's in need. And this third commandment on our relationship with one another. It's important that you understand this as well. Until we get that initial commandment right, until we understand what it means to love God with our heart, with our soul, with our mind and our strength, we can't rightly love our neighbor. We can't rightly love each other. We've got to get that foundational piece correct at the outset before we can begin to love as God would have us love. Jesus called this third commandment a new commandment. A new commandment I give you, he said, that you love one another as I have loved you. Some have referred to this as the as-I principle of relationship. Love each other as I, Jesus said, have loved you. We are to love others as Jesus has loved us. Easier said than done, right? Jesus Christ not only taught this principle, but as he did in every area of his life, he perfectly embodied it. He lived it out. He loved others as his father loved him. And he told others to love as he loved them. Just as a father empowered Jesus to love other people, Jesus Christ empowers you and I to love others, even, even the most unlovable, most unlovely people. We all need the power and the presence of Christ in our lives if we are to truly love other people. Love one another, Jesus said, as I have loved you. So who is Jesus speaking to here, by the way? If you open your Bibles and you look at chapter 15 of the Gospel of John, you'll see the context. Jesus is speaking to his friends, to his disciples. But he's also speaking this morning to you and I, because you and I, too, are his followers, are his friends, are his disciples. We are the one another. You and I are the one another. This community of believers, Summit View Covenant Church, the one another is all those who love Christ and who follow Him. So it moves beyond the walls of this church. One another is the body of Christ. He's talking about how we relate to those who are related to Christ. That's what he's talking about. Francis Schaeffer one time said this, and it's so true. If followers of Christ can't love one another, the world has every right to question whether Christianity is true. If you and I can't get it right here, what Schaefer is saying that 
the people out there have every right to question whether this gospel that we talk about, this good news, is even true. You see, it's got to start here. It's got to start in the body of Christ. You and I need to begin to rightly relate to one another. And until we do that, people will be skeptical. I know that a lot of you come from church backgrounds where there was a great deal of pain and hurt and difficulty, where your church never got this right. And we certainly don't get it right perfectly. But we can do better. And we need to. We need to work at this. We need to be intentional about loving one another and caring about one another. Jesus wasn't simply suggesting that you and I love each other. He's not telling us that we need to try harder or give it our best shot and if it doesn't work out, whatever. He's commanding us. He's commanding us to love every other believer in the same way that we've been loved by Him. How hard is this? I'll tell you how hard it is. It's impossible. Love one another as I have loved you. You should hear a challenge in this verse and you should also hear an offer. How in the world do we love as Jesus loved? We don't. We are not Jesus. We will never be Jesus. We want to become more like Him. We want to do more and more the things that He did. But we will not be Him. But the challenge is to grow into likeness, into the likeness of Him to become more like Him. That's the challenge. But here's the offer of empowerment. Jesus Christ will be with us and He will give us everything we need to love other people. He knows. He knows better than anyone else that we cannot easily love people. For heaven's sakes, we can't even really like people. We can't even really love ourselves or like ourselves. So how in the world can we love someone else? He says to each of us, I will empower you. I will give you what you need by my presence in your life to love that person or those people that you perhaps don't even like. Implicit in this new commandment are three concepts. Three ideas that rightly understood and consistently practiced will empower us and, dare I suggest, improve our relationships with one another. Empower us, improve our relationships. And I'm talking here about relationships in marriage, in families, with spouses and children and friends and co-workers. These are universal ideas. When Jesus commands us to love others as he's loved us, first of all, he's suggesting that there's a difference between feelings and actions. Okay? There's a difference between how we feel and what we do. And when we understand it, when we understand that we can do apart from how we feel, it empowers our relationships. Feelings are important. I talked about this last week. They are powerful. And some of us could do well to express our emotions and our feelings more often. We need to understand them and express them. But too often in relationships, it seems to me, that we only act according to how we feel. We only do things when we feel like it. And we need to begin to act and to do things, to act in loving ways, 
and to do loving things even when we don't feel like it. We need to love others despite how we feel about them. We need to move toward other people. This is really what Jesus is saying. I want you to recognize something here. Emotions, feelings, cannot be commanded. Only actions can be commanded. For example, have you ever tried to command your children to be happy? Oh, you're not really upset. Be happy. <laughs> you know, come on, be happy. Get excited. I know you've had a difficult week, many of you, but you know what? Be happy. See, it worked. You're happy. You can't do that. Don't be sad. I know it seems like a big deal, but don't be sad. We can't command emotions. When Jesus commands us to love one another, He's not saying that we should feel a certain way. He's telling us to do it, to love, to act in love despite how we feel. Love is an action. Love is a noun, but it's also a verb. Love is something big, but it's also something that we do. It's not void of emotion, but in the final analysis, you demonstrate love by acting, by doing something. You can tell me you love me till the cows come home, and if you never demonstrate that to me, I don't believe a word that you say. I know what you're thinking. Some of you think I'm nuts. <laughs> Here's the problem. You tell people, look, I know your marriage has been really difficult for a long time, but you need to begin to act in loving ways. And you know what? Sooner or later, you'll feel love. You'll, express, you'll, you'll, you'll have emotion. You'll have those things, but you need to begin to act in loving ways. And there's something in all of us that thinks that, that, that that's hypocritical, right? Or dishonest. To act in a loving way, to show someone love when you really don't feel it. Isn't that true? How in the world can I act this way when I don't feel this way? It goes against everything in us. There's something in us that doesn't feel good about doing this, about acting in loving ways when we don't feel it. If it's not real, this is us speaking, if it's not sincere, if I don't feel like it, then I shouldn't do it. This is who we are. I want you to think about this for a minute. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up and you don't feel like going to work, you know where I'm going with this, right? You're going to call your employer and you're going to say, you know, it would be wrong for me to come into work today because I'm not feeling like it. It would be inconsistent with how I'm feeling, and, and, and I, don't, I don't believe that. It would be hypocritical, in fact. And your employer will probably say, well, you know, it would be hypocritical of me to continue to employ you. So you're done. Those of you with little children, with babies even, when your child gets sick in the middle of the night, you simply roll over and tell your spouse that you're not going to get up to check on your child because you don't feel like it. You may say, you know, it's your turn, or I really don't want to get up. But the reality is, we do it, whether we feel like it or not. We would never say it would be insincere of me to act lovingly towards someone when I don't feel that way, especially a child. On a more serious note, Jesus Christ certainly did not feel like going to the cross, being tortured and dying for the sins of the world. 
He didn't wake up one morning during the Passover and say, I feel like being crucified today. That'd be a good thing to do. In fact, if you remember what happened the night before, he prayed, he literally sweated blood, praying that the Heavenly Father would take this burden away from him. But he said, you know, God, it's not my will, it's your will that's important. And I'll do whatever it is that you ask me to do. You see, it's not about our feelings, ultimately. In fact, in relationships, I would argue that it's rarely about feelings. It's always about what we do and how we act. Our feelings are a part of love. Of course they are. They have to be. In fact, they can be an incredibly great part of it. But they don't lead the way. This is what I'm trying to say. They don't lead the way. They follow. They are the byproduct of action. I know how difficult it is. And you may think it's easy for me to say this. It's not. I know. It's hard to act lovingly towards people when you don't feel that way. But it's what God calls us to do. And remember the context. One another. Here, in the body of Christ, with other believers, but also outside. There's another concept embedded in this new commandment. And listen to this carefully. There's a difference between what God commands, what God commands us to do, and what we demand of ourselves. There's a difference between what God commands us to do and what we demand of ourselves. It's really the difference between should and can. It's the difference between what we think we should do, what we demand of ourselves, and we are really good at this, right? I should do this, I should do that, I should do the other thing. It's the difference between that and what we can do with God's help, with God's empowerment in our lives. For example, if I go to a therapist with a problem and he or she says to me, you should do this, I'm not helped. But if this therapist says to me, here is something that we can do about your problem, I'm helped and I'm empowered. You see, the difference between should and can You should do this. You should do this. You can do this because Jesus Christ will empower you to do it. When He commands us to love one another, He's not simply throwing out a challenge or suggesting that it's something that we should do. He's saying to each of us, you can do this because I am with you in it. You don't have to do this alone. You see, God never commands us to do anything that He doesn't empower us to do. He never commands us to do something and then withholds the resources that we need in order to do it. And that pertains to relationships, it pertains to ministry, it pertains to all kinds of things. When God calls, when God commands, God empowers. There were times when we planted this church early on that I questioned the truth of that. You know, did God call me to do this just to leave me, you know out in Bethany somewhere, by myself with two other people, and call it a church. And I was reminded that God never calls us or commands us to do something unless He gives us the resources to do it. And that is so true. Jesus never says, do this or do that, and then leaves us on our own. He doesn't expect us to love one another without His help. It's an impossible command apart from Him. He says, I'll be with you. The Good Shepherd the divine therapist, if you will, is with us in all of our relationships, no matter how difficult they may be. And this gives me hope. 
It gives me great hope. Before you give up on a relationship, and by the way, I think that we bail too quickly on relationships. Now, I need to to say something. I'm not talking about abusive relationships. I'm not talking about those kinds of things. I think that's a different issue, right? Uh, I'm not suggesting that you hang in there and continue to be abused or beaten or battered or put down. I'm not suggesting that. I'm talking about relationships generally that are just difficult, which, by the way, is every relationship. And we give up too soon. Whether it's marriage, whether it's friendship, whether it's family relationships. And before you do that, and I think some of you are probably sitting here this morning thinking, you know, there are some relationships that are really teetering in my life. You need to call on the power of Christ in your life and in the life of that relationship. You need to say, Jesus, give me what I need First of all, to like that person and ultimately to love them, to move toward them, to be a brother or a sister in Christ. Ask Him to fill you with His presence and His power and with His love. Stop demanding so much of yourself and trust Christ with the relationship. There are some relationships that you cannot fix. I don't care who you are. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care if you're a PhD with a PhD in psychiatry. You can't fix certain relationships. So stop beating yourself up and trust Christ. And here's the third concept to understand and remember. There is a difference between the old and the new. There's a difference between the old and the new. This commandment that Jesus gave was not an old commandment. It was a new commandment. Why did Jesus need to give a new commandment? Weren't the old ones okay? I mean, think about that. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor. What's wrong with that? Weren't they adequate? Here's the reason. The old commandments, even though they were powerful and effective, they served their purpose, they were based on a different way of thinking, a different mindset. You see, Jesus Christ didn't come to abolish the old. You remember what he said? I didn't come to do away with it. I came to complete it. Okay? I came to make all things new. So I'm not saying here that the Ten Commandments are no longer operative, or they don't matter, or they weren't effective. But Jesus offers something more. The Old Commandments, the context in which they were written, they were empowered by keeping the letter of the law. And some of us still live according to the Old Commandment. Adhering to the rules and regulations, and to the degree that I do that, I am a righteous person. I bet some of you are really tired of living like that. The new commandment is empowered by God's Spirit. The letter kills, Paul says, but the Spirit, the Spirit gives life. The presence of God's Spirit in our lives encourages us, it enables us, it empowers us, it renews us, it changes us, it transforms us, it does all those things. The old commandment was empowered by traditional habits. There's nothing wrong with tradition. But when they be, tradition becomes habitual, that's a problem. It's the way things have always been done. It's about tired routines. And that's true in relationships, in worship, in everything. We can get so routine. And that doesn't give life. The new commandment is empowered by relational action. The way that Jesus Christ does things. He said over and over again, 
to his followers. You've heard it said, but I say. My paraphrase. You've seen it done this way. You've experienced God this way. I want you to experience God this way. You've heard it said this. I say this. Jesus ushered in an entirely new way of doing things. Of thinking. An entirely new way of relating to God. Understanding who God is. He showed us who God is. The old commandment was based on written rules. Static, stale, overused, misused. Words on paper or papyrus or stone. The new commandment is based on a living, dynamic example. Jesus Christ, the one who shows us who God is. The old commandment was motivated by fear. I think a lot of us live our lives out of fear. Fear of judgment, fear of God's wrath, bad theology, believing that God is standing around the corner with a cosmic baseball bat ready to knock our blocks off. I mean, it sounds funny, but that's how we live our lives. And people believe that God would enact those things upon them if they failed to keep the law. And some of us live the same way. The new commandment is motivated by love. There is no fear in Christ's love. The Apostle John says, perfect love casts out fear. In Christ, we are free to love and to be loved. There is no fear in Christ's love. So here's the question. When you think of all the relationships in your life, all of them, which ones, which ones are requiring you to allow God's Spirit to reign? What are the relationships in your life where you need to say, God, I can't do this. I need you to empower me. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a relationship with a child, a parent, an in-law. How can you and I begin to act in ways that are loving? How can we begin to move toward people with the love of Christ? How can we stop doing what we've simply done all along in our relationships and start acting with genuine concern and love for other people? People that we may or may not like. How do we do that? Instead of living by a list of worn out and useless rules, relational rules and regulations, this is the way relationships work. Are you open to the possibility that God wants to do something new? You know, we all come into relationship with all kinds of rules and expectations from our family of origin, from our grandparents, from a variety of people. Maybe it's time that we shelve some of those things that are unhealthy and begin to relate differently to people. Where do you need to allow Christ to provide a new and living example to you of how to live in relationship? Remember this, God never asks you and He will never ask you to do anything that He doesn't give you the resources or the power to accomplish. That is the truth. He doesn't ask us to love each other because He knows that we'll just continually beat our heads into the wall. He asks us to do that because He knows that we can do that. We can do that. That it's right. By His very presence, He'll empower us, He'll encourage us, He'll enable us to love other people. Some of you are living examples of that. I know people who are best friends with people that they couldn't even look at at one point in their life. Because someone said to them, in Christ, you have no option but to love that person and to move toward them. And that's what he's saying to us this morning. If you don't know Christ, if you don't have that first foundational piece in place 
Today's a day for you to make that decision. And to say, you know what, God, I'm willing to step into this thing called faith and to give my life to you and allow you to begin to change me and transform me. Maybe some of you have never done that, and so you're trying to fix all these relationships, and you don't have that initial relationship right. I would encourage you, I would encourage you this morning to consider giving your life to Christ. There's no magic involved in it. By faith, you say, God, I give my life to you, I give my heart to you, change me and begin to do something in me that I can't do. That's what it means. And that begins the journey. It's time for some of you to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you up and change you and empower you and transform you so that you can begin to relate to people, to God and to others in healthy ways. And until you're in a right relationship with Him, the truth is you will never be in a right relationship with other people. That's the truth. None of us. We're not that smart. We're not that good. Until we relate rightly to Christ, until we make Him the Lord of our lives, we can't relate in healthy ways ultimately to other people. I want to leave you this morning with that challenge.